Dear brothers and sisters, Psalm 51 on the Bibles on page 566. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. And against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then... I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous. In burnt offerings offered, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Thanks, Val. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. Well, in the Psalms, God speaks to us through the deepest of human emotions. Um, and the guilt that David, the writer, feels here really leaps off the page as we read this psalm. Now, guilt is something that I'm sure we can all relate to. 
And I don't mean feel, feeling guilty about the, the second dessert that we ate or the, the friend's birthday that we forgot. But I mean the really deep sense of guilt when we know that we've done something wrong. And this psalm not only expresses the emotional baggage uh, that we know that guilt brings, um, but it also points us to how we should deal with our guilt. And we see the backstory to this psalm in 2 Samuel chapter 11, which we'll have a look at in a sec. Um, I'm mindful, though, this will be quite a difficult topic uh, for many of us to think about. So how about I pray for us now, and then we'll have a look at what it was that made David write this psalm in the first place, and how it shapes the way that we deal with guilt in our lives. So how about I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, um, we know what it is to feel guilt. It's, it's a very heavy topic that we look at this morning in this psalm. It's very personal for us. Uh, pray that you would be speaking to us through this psalm, that these words that David wrote thousands of years ago, uh, that you'd be speaking to us through them as well and showing us how we might think about guilt in a way that honours you and that points us to you. Amen. David was a good king. He'd been handpicked by God to be king over Israel, and he ruled faithfully as king for many decades over Israel. For centuries after his death, every other king was compared with David. He set the standard for what a good king should look like. He was a good king most of the time. All of us have done things in life that we've deeply regretted, though, and David was no different. One day he was on his palace rooftop looking out over the city and he saw a beautiful woman bathing. And he got some of his palace attendants to go and find out who she was and they told him that her name was Bathsheba and she had a husband called Uriah. That he was out fighting a battle at that time. So David saw his opportunity and he had her brought to his palace and he slept with her. But that was okay. Uriah would come back from the battle months later and he'd be none the wiser about what had happened. Well, a few days later, David was horrified to learn that Bathsheba was pregnant. He had an idea, though. Uh, He arranged for his army commander to bring Uriah, her husband, back from the battlefield and to have a night at home with his wife as a reward for his faithful service on the battlefield, but also as a convenient cover-up for his wife being pregnant. But Uriah refused to even go into his house. He slept that night on the front doorstep of his house, ashamed to have a night at home with his wife while all the other soldiers were still out on the battlefield. The next night, David got more desperate. He got Uriah drunk, hoping that that would do the trick. But still, Uriah would not go inside his house. David had run out of options. He told his army commander to make sure that Uriah was killed in battle the next day. And that's exactly what happened. With Uriah dead, David was free to marry Bathsheba and to avoid any disgrace. But David knew he'd done a terrible thing. We can only imagine how he felt as he looked back at these events that had just happened. His guilt must surely have overwhelmed him. God had given him so much, and he'd responded by committing adultery and murder. (coughs) Grieved by his sin, and probably in tears as he wrote, he poured out his heart 
before God in this psalm. David knew his guilt all too well. There's no attempt in this psalm to, to justify what he's done. Look, God, I know I did the wrong thing, but you know the stress I've been under. There was none of that. Now, he begins by pleading for mercy. He pleads for God to, to blot out his sin, to erase it from his record. He throws himself on God's love and compassion. Have a look at verse 3. I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. This isn't something that David feels just a little bit bad about. It's something that is always on his mind. Nothing he does during the day can distract him from the feeling of guilt. And every night as he closes his eyes to go to sleep, all he can see is Uriah with enemy soldiers closing in on him. And we can empathize, can't we? It might not be this extreme, but we've all felt guilt. We all know what guilt feels like, the guilt of something that we've done wrong. Uh, maybe it was something that you did that hurt somebody else. Maybe it was something that only you will ever know about. Perhaps it was something that happened years ago, uh, something that happened recently, or something that's still ongoing. Something you said, something you thought, something you did. We know what guilt feels like. We know how it plants itself in our mind. Verse 4 is interesting. Uh, speaking to God, David says, Against you only have I sinned. They can't help but feel, surely Uriah was a little bit affected as well, you know, dying and everything. But what David is recognizing here is that all sin is first and foremost against God. And that's what sin is. It's our rebellion against God. Choosing our way instead of his. David realizes that he's accountable to God uh, for the things that he's done wrong. Now, if I've done something wrong and I've caused hurt or grief to someone else, it's appropriate that that person's pain should cause me grief. I should desire to, to make things right with them. And I'll feel personal shame that I've let myself down as well by what I've done. But most of all, our sins are against God. The God who created us to live for him, to love him, to enjoy a relationship with him. So, for example, if I was leaving here after church and I saw Colin and I thought, oh, Colin's been a bit of an annoying boss this year. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to push him to the ground just before I leave. I'm not going to do that. I quite like Colin. But if, if that happened, now, I'd probably enjoyed at the time, but I probably look back on a more sober, reflective moment and think, yeah, that actually hurt Colin a lot. I feel bad about that. I'd like to make it up to Colin somehow for doing that. And, th and then there'll be the personal shame of it as well. You know, that actually tarnished my reputation a lot. Colin's probably going to fire me for doing that. Everyone, everyone will have seen me look like a really nasty person. But it's important to realize that God is always the main injured party in our sin. David knows that he stands guilty in God's courtroom. He hasn't even bothered to bring a defense lawyer. He already knows the verdict. 
Notice also David is talking about sin here on two different levels. Now clearly the reason he's writing this psalm is this terrible thing that he's done, this sin that he's committed. Uh, But then he says in verse 5, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time that my mother conceived me. David knows that he hasn't just sinned, he's sinful, full stop, and always has been. Rebellion against God is central to his nature. And it's the same for us. Perhaps you've been a Christian for years, decades, Uh, Perhaps you're not a Christian or you're still working it out. We're all in the same boat. We all stand guilty before God in need of his mercy. We've all rebelled against him. And knowing our guilt is a painful first step that we have to take toward the joy that only God can provide. So regardless of where you're at with God, we all know what it is to feel guilt, don't we? And we all know what it feels like to want to be free from those feelings of guilt, from the internal consequences, if you like, of the things that we've done wrong. David expresses those longings really powerfully in this psalm. So the first six verses, he's bringing his guilt before God. And then verses 7 to 15 He's begging God to relieve him and restore him. He wants to be washed clean, verse 7. He knows that his sin has left him dirty on the inside, and he feels it. He wants to be cleansed from it. I used to work as an engineer quite a few years ago now, and when I first started my job, one of the guys that I was working with I must have told him I was a Christian or it came up in conversation somehow and he made it very clear that he wasn't a Christian. He told me exactly what he thought about Christianity. But then he said something interesting after that. He said, but I do go to church occasionally. Every, every so often I'll go to church because I know that I've done things wrong and I, I know that I need to be clean. I found that really interesting. He, he didn't understand how God played into that feeling of guilt, but he knew what the guilt of sin felt like. He knew that he felt unclean on the inside and he wanted to be cleansed from that. Verse 8, David wants to hear joy and gladness. His guilt has brought him to despair and all the things that once brought him pleasure are now completely dulled for him. They're ruined by the guilt in his heart. Verse 9, he wants his sins blotted out, hidden from God's sight. And not just the most recent sin that he's writing about here, but all of the sins that he's committed. As he deals with the the guilt of what's just happened, it brings to mind all of the other things that he's done wrong in his life. And the burden is too much for him to handle. He pleads to God for a pure heart. A heart that loves and obeys God. He doesn't want to ever have to come before God again with this sort of guilt on his heart. And above all, he doesn't want God to reject him. He knows that he stands guilty before God. He knows that he doesn't deserve God's loyalty. 
uh, but he despairs at the thought of God abandoning him. He longs for God to restore him and sustain him. It's hard to put into words the effect that guilt has on us. David's emotions in this psalm really express the complexity of guilt. It's not something we can explain easily with words. We feel unclean on the inside, and we feel like we'll never be joyful again. We feel regret at what has happened, and we'd give anything to be able to go back and do things differently to make it all go away. We want to make things right. That's not always possible. January 29 this year is a very special day for me. It's my birthday, but that's not why it's special. It's special because on the 28th of January 2013, I wrote off my car. And when you're paying for car insurance, they bill you high if you've had an at-fault claim in the last five years. So as of January 29 this year, I will have had no at-fault accidents in the last five years. It will be as if that car crash never happened. Obviously, there's the embarrassment of crashing my car into a cliff, but that's, that's a little bit different. It'll be completely washed clean. But our conscience doesn't give us a time frame like that, does it? Guilt can really linger for a long, long time. David longs to come before God, free of his guilt, to praise God, to teach others to praise God and to enjoy a relationship with him. But how can David do that? He's consumed by guilt. He knows that he sinned horribly against God. Why would God ever want anything to do with him again? In fact, all that David can offer God to make up for what he's done is a broken heart. That's all he's got. Have a look from verse 16. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. David knows that sacrificing an animal isn't going to make things right. Now, Israel had a sacrifice system that God had given them uh, so they could sacrifice an animal as a way of paying for their sins. Problem is, David had committed adultery and murder, and the penalty for both of those under the law was death. And even if there was an animal sacrifice that David could make, he knows that it won't deal with the guilt that he feels. All he can do is to confess his guilt to God, trusting in God's merciful character, trusting that God values a genuinely broken heart of a guilty sinner more than he values an animal sacrifice. But is a broken heart enough to, for his guilt to be taken away? It seems so inadequate in light of what he's done. Well, many years after David, God revealed his solution to the problem of sin. And that solution was Jesus dying to take the punishment for our sins, taking our guilt upon himself so that our sins could be blotted out so that we can stand joyfully in God's presence. And by his Holy Spirit, God works powerfully in our hearts. He changes us to live more and more in a way that pleases him. That's what we're on about 
as a church. That's the good news that we come together to celebrate. Jesus died so that if we put our trust in him, our sins are forgiven. And God lives in us day by day, changing us, growing us. The barrier between us and God is broken. We can have a right relationship with God. We don't earn our way to a right standing with God. But we do it by trusting in what God has done through Jesus and letting that shape our lives. When we feel guilty about things we've done wrong, that's actually a good thing. It's God working in our conscience to convict us, to turn us back to obedience to him. But God hasn't just wired us to feel guilt and left us there. He's done something about the problem of guilt. Now, we feel guilt because of sin, and God has dealt with sin. He's got right to the root of the problem of guilt, and he's dealt with it. But there's a tension here, isn't there? Because we're still sinful people. We still live with the consequences of sin in our lives. We have to deal with the reality of sin every day. And because sin is still a reality, so is the feeling of guilt. Because guilt points us to our sin. So it's still appropriate for us to feel guilt. But once we've seen our sin, we've confessed it to God, we've asked him to forgive us, guilt has done its job. When we come before God, our hearts broken by our sin, the trusting that Jesus' death was enough, that's good enough for God. And that's why the guy that I worked with that I was talking about before, that's why he had it all wrong. And he thought that just coming to church and sitting through a church service was the way to deal with the guilt in his heart. But the only way to deal with guilt is to repent of our sins and to turn to Jesus in faith. The first thing that Jesus says in his famous Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, where he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who come before God, knowing how spiritually poor they are, knowing how great their guilt is, they're the ones who receive God's grace. Our right response to guilt is a broken heart, but confidence in God to blot out our sins and restore us. So where does this leave you? There's no one-size-fits-all answer to that story because we've, we've all got different experiences with guilt. Guilt conjures up different stories in our hearts. Perhaps you're affected by the guilt of something that you've done in the past. It's important to realize that no matter how much um, you've hurt someone else or shamed yourself, it's still God who's the main injured party in this. Even if there's nothing you can do to make things right, which is the situation that David found himself in. Even if a relationship has been permanently damaged or there have been long-lasting consequences, God's love will last forever. Now, I don't at all want to treat those other consequences lightly because I realize they're all significant things. 
But if we understand guilt first and foremost as being against God, then knowing that we're forgiven makes the problem of guilt so much easier to deal with. It's a very liberating understanding to have. Maybe you feel guilt about something that's ongoing in your life. Certainly in this psalm, David was aware that he had a wayward heart. And it's the reality that we all live with. We all struggle with sin in our life. Sometimes it will be more obvious or it will seem more extreme for some of us than for others. But it's something that we all struggle with. We all battle with it. We should pray that God would be at work in our hearts. That he'd be renewing us and giving us the strength to overcome temptation. We should also seek support from others and get them praying for us and keeping us accountable. And most importantly, we should never lose sight of God's love, his unfailing love that he's shown to us through Jesus. Maybe you feel like you wonder if God could ever accept you because of your guilt. And if that's where you're at, I'd really encourage you not to bottle that up, but to talk to people about it. Talk to me, talk to Colin, someone you trust. Because once you grasp just how far-reaching God's love is, understanding that we're saved not by what we do, but by what Jesus has done for us, that's an incredible realisation to have. It's a very freeing understanding. God doesn't accept any of us based on what we've done. But because of what Jesus has done, nobody is too far gone to receive God's mercy. Perhaps you don't feel guilty. Now, the last thing I want to do is to make anyone feel guilty when they shouldn't. Um, We should be aware of our guilt, just as David was. Um, But if we're confident in God's mercy, there's no need for us to be slaves to our guilt forever. As long as we're we're still genuinely brokenhearted at our sin and bringing it before God, knowing that we needed Jesus to die for our sins as much as anyone else did. Maybe you're you're not a Christian and this, this feeling of guilt resonates with you, but you're just not convinced that God has anything to do with it. Well, I hope you come away from here today at the very least realizing that As a church, we're not on about making people feel needlessly guilty. We understand that guilt is something that we feel for a reason and that God has provided what we need to understand guilt and to deal with it. Understanding our guilt in terms of what we've done to God rather than what we've done to other people or ourselves really unlocks how we understand and deal with guilt. No matter what we've done, no matter how we feel, God has unfailing love. We can have confidence that if we bring our guilt before him with broken hearts, then when he sees our sins, he also sees Jesus' death in our place. And that was a sacrifice that God does delight in, because that was the sacrifice that he made to deal with our guilt once and for all. How about I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Psalms, for the way that they express 
what we feel and the way that they help us to direct those feelings towards you. Uh, we know that uh, guilt is a very complex feeling to have. Uh, it's a very personal one. Uh, please help us to recognise that it's you that we stand guilty before, most of all. And as we come before you brokenhearted, um, please help us to know your love and compassion. And may we know that our, di- our guilt was dealt with on the cross. May you give each of us the, the joy of knowing that our guilt is dealt with. And that one day we'll stand in your presence forever with no guilt at all. And so for all of us here who have guilt in our hearts at the moment, um, please help us to hand it over to you, to trust you with it. Amen.